Well, hello and welcome to Ministry Hangouts. We're excited that you guys have joined us again. Uh, this is the Ministry Hangouts with Greg Surratt. So I will turn it over to Greg and just tell you a little bit about what we do here. And uh, then uh, I'll introduce our guest in just a moment. Hey, everybody. Uh, glad you're with us uh, this week on Ministry Hangouts. I literally just got off of an airplane, uh, was speaking at an event in Colorado yesterday, and uh, got here in time to do the Hangout. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to talk about social media and uh, building buzz in the church, what's, what's good, what's not, what's creepy, you know, what, uh, what's next, what's new, and uh, we've got a, a list of panelists that um, that uh, have a lot of experience in this, and so it should be good. And uh, because they're all in the tech field, uh, everybody was here on time. When it's pastors, uh, they join us. Hello, a bit late. and welcome to Ministry Hangouts. <laughs> Whoops! Excited that you guys have joined us again. Uh, this is the Ministry exactly. Hangouts. With What's going on there, Sean? There we go. All right. Just when I insult pastors, God zaps us with, uh, <laughs> with some feedback. All right. Listen, uh, what I want to do first is, uh, Sean, why don't you introduce us to our guests today, and uh, then we'll move on from there. And when he does, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, what's your uh, experience with, or how you're involved with both the church and social media. Awesome. Well, we've got a, a great panel kind of spread out of some different uh, folks and even demographics. So we're excited to have some uh, of our friends over on the other side of the pond as well. But first, uh, let me introduce uh, Justin Brackett. Uh, Justin is on staff at Seacoast Church with you, Pastor Greg. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in that role at Seacoast, Justin. Yeah, so at Seacoast, I'm working with all the different ministries that we have um, just to help commonize the voice across the social platforms and continue to help educate people, both members and prospective members of Seacoast, just about what we're doing and what we are and um, just kind of impacting people's lives through social media. And so active on all the social accounts with us and just also giving coaching and leadership to all of our campuses as they get up to speed and active as well within the social world. And been active in the nonprofit community for about six years now, um, just helping organizations and companies and businesses um, just figure out what social media is, figure out how to tell their story and use their voice. Awesome. Great to have you on board and uh, have you as part of the Seacos team there too. Hey, uh, to your, I guess it would be your right if you're on the screen there, Pastor Greg, is Don Nicole Baldwin, who is with Aspire One. Uh, been a friend of uh, ours at Seacoast for a long time and, and a friend of a lot of churches. Tell us a little bit about Aspire One and Jarbico and yourself, Dawn. Oh, thanks, Sean, and thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, Aspire One is a brand strategy firm that we started, gosh, almost 20 years, now, uh, 20 years ago now, really with the intent of helping churches to reach people more effectively. And so we help them to discover their voice and determine how do we communicate in a way that matters and makes a difference. So that will involve social media, print, web, all kinds of other fun things. And Jarvico is a sister company that we have that does text messaging as well. Awesome. It's great to have you on the call, Don. Uh, next is Chris Giovignani, and Chris is with uh, Compassion International. Did I get the name right? Woo! All right, and uh, Chris is here uh, with Compassion. Tell us a little bit about what you do with Compassion, how, uh, what that looks like. Well, I'm the social media program manager for Compassion, and that ultimately means I'm responsible for helping 
our sponsors feel more closely connected to their children and doing so using social media. Prior, I always say prior to the existence of social media, the sponsorship experience was pretty much you write a letter and then you wait for your child to return that letter. And that's several months uh, in, in between. And we still have that experience, but now in between uh, the writing and the receiving of the letters, we have the opportunity to engage and speak with our sponsors and donors, help them understand what their children's countries are like, the culture, the celebrations that they have. We can challenge them uh, regarding their faith, help them understand who Compassion is as a ministry, uh, as individuals, what we do, why we do it, how we do it. And uh, so I'm overseeing all the communication that occurs on our corporate blog and all of our social properties, including Facebook, Twitter, and so forth. Great, awesome. That is, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing even some of uh, what you guys do. And I've had a compassion child for about 13 years now, and I didn't even know some of that existed. So I want to tap in and find out even more about that. And then to, to our far, my far left at least, is Adrian Warnock. Adrian is a part of the leadership team of Jubilee Church in London and actually joining us. And about it's about 7:05, I think, right now, p.m. in London. Is that right, Adrian? And yeah. uh, is joining us before he even gets dinner. So hopefully, you work good on an empty stomach, Adrian. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there at uh, Jubilee Church, and just about your blog and, and your presence online. Okay, sure. So I've been uh, a blogger now for 10 years, believe it or not. Yeah, there were blogs 10 years ago, um, and um, <clears throat> I've been on Twitter and Facebook and all the other things. Uh, and actually through the blog that's led to me writing a book and all sorts of things um, really that, that I wasn't expecting would come my way because of all the whole social media thing. Um, and at Jubilee Church I'm part of the leadership team there and I kind of generally cause trouble really and uh, no, I, I'm, I kind of stick my nose into all sorts of areas but one of the main things really is on, on the communication side and uh, helping the guys you know, think about how to get the message out online and, and in other ways. Great. I was uh, I was just with you guys a couple of weeks ago uh, in London. It was a lot of fun. Great church, Topi, Colioso, and Adrian and uh, their team. Yeah, uh, they had church in a movie theater, and uh, reminded me of our roots. And uh, it was so much fun. I, I I'm sure that uh, Topi has taken the last couple of weeks to straighten out some of the heresy. Uh, that no, I was able to no, no. I mean, we we really enjoyed having you, Craig. It was like. Uh, you know, we hadn't met you really before, but it was great to meet you uh, and to welcome you to our sort of multi-site in one venue. So we've sort of got different services in each of the different screens. And also you, you did the, we, we sought out the men from the boys as to whether you do the three services or the two. And you did the three, you know, bolting down to our second site in the middle. That was yeah. great. Well, Topi said, you don't have to do all of them. I yeah. said, come on. I, I want to see all of it. It was great. Six services, I believe, in... Um, Four different screens, maybe. I'm, I, I think it's something like that. Great. Yeah. Really a cool deal. And I wanted to see the queen. Uh, went down to the palace, waited in line, but she never, never did come out. Uh, but uh, it was a good experience anyway. Well, come back and we'll see if we can sort that out for you. <laughs> All, right. All right. I would like to come back. It was a great experience. I'd, I'd never really hung out in London before. I'd been through London, but... Uh, Oh, what a great city. What a great city. Well, right, so, people want to reach the world, they can come to London and reach the world here. You know, we have 60 nationalities just in our church. That's true. I saw that. It was just an incredible uh, experience. 
Okay, so this is going to be fun. If it's not fun for anybody else, I really don't care. I've been so looking forward to this one. Uh, I'm kind of a nerd, a geek, whatever you want to call it. I worked for Hewlett Packard Company uh, before I, uh, um, you know, went into full time ministry uh, with the church, and uh, always kind of felt like um, with technology and the church, um, always was pushing it further than it was ready to go. I remember when desktop publishing uh, first allegedly came out, because it's always allegedly. You know, there's always vaporware, and, you, you know, they float it out, and then maybe you can do it in a year or so. And I remember a lot of frustration, uh, but then saw that really take off, and um, so many so many innovations over the years. Before we get talking about church, let's just talk about stuff, okay? Um, what about Instagram? Uh, going to the video deal, okay? Let's talk about that for me. I'm going to give you an opinion, and then you guys, the experts, tell me about Because my friends are so divided on this. You know, I, uh, before I went out to preach this past weekend, one of our technology people uh, at Long Point said, he's thinking about getting off of Instagram. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't like the <laughs> videos, you know? <laughs> and uh, I like it. Uh, let, let me tell you, I know it's a ripoff of Vine. Um, I tried Vine. In six seconds, I've seen some really cool things done in six seconds. Unfortunately, they, they it wasn't by me. Uh, six <laughs> seconds wasn't enough, you know, to do any. I, you know, I, I can't say my name in six sec seconds. And uh, so when this came out, uh, first I heard of it was Justin, who is in Asheville, Justin Brackett, and um, uh, that's another cool thing about social media or even computers is you don't have to live in the place where you actually work and he gets to live in Asheville which is really cool a little weird but really cool and uh, <laughs> Justin, said, yeah, Justin said have you seen the the new deal you ought to do something on it and so you know I uh, I, I put out uh, just a really crude um, I thought it was kind of funny uh, 15 seconds of little scenarios that actually promote our service on the, on the weekend. Uh, and I probably did, uh, Don, I did everything wrong, everything wrong. But, <laughs> but what, what, it was fun. And uh, mm -hmm. here's what I noticed is um, the on Instagram, what is it, likes? Is it likes on Instagram? I think it is. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we don't watch those, but actually we do. And um, yeah, no one. Uh, everyone always says they don't look at their stats, but if they say that, they're lying. They're lying. <laughs> Everybody lies about that stuff. And so, and so, I looked at the likes on Instagram, and they trended a lot younger. We had little kids, you know, that were like, 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 you know, and uh, which I, I don't know if that's a an ongoing thing. It's just a one-time deal. And then I've I've watched it uh, since then with with some of my family and friends. Anyway, I like it. Um, what do you guys think? Comment. Weigh in. Anybody? Have you played with it? Do you think it's cool or not cool? I'm reading stuff that it's not cool. Um, what do you think? Oh, that was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what do you I think? think it's the... I think it's fantastic. Um, and obviously, I sent that over to Pastor Greg, and then as I was playing with it the following day, um, we actually, here at my house, my daughter Ryland did a little video and we sent it over to Pastor Greg just more or less asking about what his favorite movie was. And, and so in that aspect, I really do like it. I like that you can have a condensed video 
I like that they kind of rip Vine off a little bit so that you can record a video, stop it, and then record again, and it, you know, it's one nice little video, and that it's a little bit longer than Vine. I agree with you, Pastor Greg. I have a hard time, you know, just getting out my information in that short amount of time that Vine gives us, uh, but I love it. Um, I love the, just what they're doing with it. Uh, they're being creative, um, but, you know, I guess it, it goes back to Mr. Zuckerberg and seeing what he'll allow us to do because he likes to turn stuff on and tweak it a little bit on us, and so it'll be interesting to see how it, it you know it moves forward with Facebook having their hands all over it. But isn't that the big problem that Facebook have it? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> that they'll mess that they'll mess it up. Yeah, yeah you know, they fiddle too much and they make things too complicated. I, I think that Facebook is the Microsoft to Twitter's Apple. There you go. Oh boy. Nice touch. <laughs> here's That's my, here's my oh, well, you know, and I agree with you to, to a certain degree, but here's, here's, here's my deal with Vine, too, and I don't know it well enough, but um, Vine was going to another app. I already use Instagram. I don't even use Twitter, even though I do Twitter. I use Hootsuite, you know, to monitor my Twitter stuff. And so uh, it's an app I already use, and so I thought that was kind of cool. Yep. Yeah, I, this is Chris. I think that... Uh, Instagram video and Vine, I think they're great concepts. There's a place for them. Uh, I think um, your preference as far as whether you're going to stay on Instagram or not um, is based, basically how, you're, how you've been using the tool. But from a ministry standpoint, uh, I'm certainly looking at Vine and Instagram video and what we could possibly do with it. But initially... I'm not seeing that the extra um, planning that's going to go into creating an effective story within a six-second or 15-second video is going to be any greater on the return on investment than if I just post a photo really? or, just, or just share some content, uh, whether it be text or, or, or some other sort of graphic. Um, I've seen very few really effective short-form videos. I found ones that I like, that I thought were entertaining, um, but really I think the medium is still trying to find its um, personality mm -hmm. and people are trying you know, to discover how they're going to use it and what they want to use it for. Uh, so at this point, we're just watching it, and then maybe we'll experiment with it later on. The best that I've actually seen as far as adding any sort of value to my existence has been Lowe's and the Vine videos that they've tweeted and shared. Mm -hmm. um, basically, six seconds of how to take a stripped screw um, out, you know, out of a out of a piece of wood or whatever. You know, little tips like that I found useful but otherwise I've just found things like oh entertaining I saw, I saw a mutual friend of ours uh, Pastor Greg Stephen Furtick Pastor Stephen started Inspiration he's your friend Stephen if you're watching God's friend <laughs> but uh, he uh, he um, he started Instaspiration is what it was called, and he's taken 15 seconds, just a devotional thought, yep. and uh, I thought that was a good usage of it because I thought in six seconds you really can't say much, but in uh, 
15 seconds, you might can say something that people would connect a little more than a picture. Um, but I'll have to say, I used Vine for about three days, and then I didn't use it anymore. So yeah, uh, I think I was, for for churches and uh, brief summations of uh, points that are made in messages and sermons and such, I think a, a video could work pretty well. I mean, when you look at Twitter and the impact that the inspirational quotes, the, the scripture uh, that pastors and Christian leaders are sharing and, and how far they go and how much of uh, how they uh, pretty much punch above their weight compared to, let's say, uh, Justin Bieber who tweets about um, you know throwing up or whatever. He has millions of followers and he gets hundreds of thousands of retweets, but then you can have uh, a pastor who has 200 or 300,000 followers get just as many retweets uh, with some scripture. So right. I think that medium, right. um, kind of soundbite-ish, kind of what you might experience on, on a short radio commercial, I, I think that would land itself pretty well, and, and I'd be interested mm -hmm. in seeing how that gets developed by some churches. That's a, Go ahead, Don. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, to tag onto what Chris was saying, too, I think a lot of it is based on the audience, too. Like, uh, I know there's a, several 20-somethings that I know personally that are huge Vine fans, and, and I agree that it's really trying to find its voice, you know, and, and where we're seeing some success is, is more just in the entertainment. There's a ton of comedians that are using it for just the most ridiculous little short clips and they have huge followings with these 20 somethings that just find it mm -hmm. hilarious and so you know kind of thinking about how can we use that for a ministry purpose is there a role or is there even a, a need you know for us to try to catch their attention or, or capture it in that way and then in what format would we use it so it, it seems right. like folks really that love vine you know they're they're doing it more just for pure goofy silliness you know in, in short snippets <laughs> Well, I think uh, like, uh, and I hadn't thought of it uh, like Chris. Chris was talking about just the return on investment of time mm -hmm. um, with a six-second Vine. I think I'm just thinking out loud right now, so this will tell you how brilliant my mind is. With a with a six-second Vine, I think it's going to take more planning time to make sense out of that than it will with a 15-second, you know, Instagram. Uh, the people that are using it, Lowe's or comedians or whatever, they're putting a lot of time in doing it, whereas Furtick, and that is brilliant. Furtick's mm -hmm. an animal. I'm, I'm telling you what. That is brilliant, I think, to do a 15-second inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could do that. You could figure that out. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think one of the challenges that we have is this whole, you know, this versus that. And we're having this discussion at the moment, Instagram versus Vine. And mm -hmm. the reality is a lot of people out there will have a preference one way or the other. And I think one of the things we risk doing uh, if we focus on any one tool, which might be our favorite, uh, is that we risk you know, missing out on a whole audience that's looking at something else. So just as an example, you know, our youth group um, in our church really focused on Facebook. It's like, yeah, great. We'll have a Facebook group. Uh, a Facebook group. That will really, really help. Uh, but what I discovered was that my kids, and it wasn't because of me, they started being much more interested in Twitter than they were in Facebook. And at that point, our guys hadn't really got onto Twitter. And so suddenly, my kids were not involved in the conversation anymore because they just wow. didn't go on Facebook. They still had their accounts, but they didn't go on. And there's a lot of people like that with Facebook mm -hmm. now, I think. But uh, I don't like Facebook. But if I was to say, right, fine, we'll just drop Facebook altogether, then I'm missing out on all the people that are on Facebook. 
What and about that's, a, that's something ahead. that we need to do at Compassion. Every year we send out a survey uh, to our sponsors and donors. Uh, we call it a technographic survey. It was informed by a bunch of uh, questions that Forrester um, has published uh, regarding their uh, social technographic uh, profiles and, and the latter and, and how people are using social media. Are they content creators or are they spectators or, or you know where do they fall in that interaction? So every year we send out a survey, statistically relevant, random sampling of our sponsors and donors to get an idea of where they are. Because we, as um, being in the social media field, may feel like, oh yeah, I, I want to get in, I want to get on Vine, or I want to start using Instagram video. But if our audience isn't there yet, we're also uh, diverting our time away from uh, more beneficial um, activities. So you know, we find that our sponsors and donors are are heavily on Facebook. Um, but a very, very, very small portion of them are on Instagram. So anything that we do on Instagram, and we are on Instagram, um, anything that we do there, we know that the reach is going to be uh, exponentially smaller than if we focus our efforts on, on Facebook. So I think there's a matter of, yeah, where is your audience? And what are you mm -hmm. trying to right. um, get out of this piece of content that you're creating? What's the purpose of it? So. Right. Uh, I think it goes much further than just is it cool or do we like it or is it um, too challenging because it's a it's a it's a change to our our normal paradigm. And I think I, that that's the problem is that oftentimes pastors and even people in the marketplace they get more excited about the tool itself without really thinking right. about the function that it serves. And so we go ahead and we create all of these online accounts <laughs> and these presences, but then we don't do anything with them or we fill them with content that really doesn't matter. And so it's it's more of you know putting the the wrong priorities in place. Or, or the other yeah. thing, of course, is that we put something out and then don't link to it on our other things. So Greg, <laughs> yes. take that Instagram video. Did you tweet that out? Because I would have loved to watch that. Yes. And I bet you didn't. Oh, well, I didn't see it. So there you go. Maybe yeah, I just don't I, read your tweet listen, as closely I'm, as I thought I did. I'm one of the violators. I'm going to make an admission right here. I am one of the big time <laughs> violators that I hook Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook all together. And um, if I do one, I do all of them. And uh, I know you're not supposed to do that. I but, think you are supposed to do that unless you're so I like you. I because like you, Adrian. Here's the thing, right? I have people come up to me at church on a Sunday and said, oh, Adrian, I read this thing on, on Facebook that you wrote. And the thing is, I never wrote it on Facebook. Yeah. And in fact, they didn't even read it on Facebook because all they ever read on the Facebook was the headline. And they tell me something that they've read that wasn't in the headline. And I think, you never read it on Facebook. You think you read it on Facebook because for you, that's the, the, right. the, the window, that's the portal. And most people, I think, who are not geeks like us, probably choose one of these portals right. and focus on it. And if your material isn't on their particular portal, it's just going to be missed. Okay. And I think this is a great conversation, Pastor Greg, with just as churches or leadership or thinking about how do I communicate for, you know, and I know that church planning is a huge thing in our community, but some of these guys are wearing... 15 hats, and so they're trying to be active on social media, and I think, that, I think it is okay to put them together from time to time, but the biggest thing that I think people have to think about and be cognizant of is if you're broadcasting it out to five platforms, if someone sees it on Facebook and they respond to you on Facebook, that you're coming back around to finish out the conversation, and don't just assume that it's just 
So I think that's a huge problem. You know, when you put them all together, you send out this message, and some people reply to a tweet, some people reply to a Facebook post or an Instagram, and what, the, what we would want people to do is to circle that conversation back and come back and at least respond or carry on the conversation. Well, because it is supposed to be social media, isn't it, Justin? Not just broadcast media, and I think that's the <laughs> big mistake that a lot of pastors make. Oh, boy. I actually I, I know one of the, I know one of those real personally. Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't... I don't want to say his name, but it rhymes with Greg Surratt. So. Yeah. My, I bought my wife an iPad, right? Because she's, uh, she's like totally technically challenged. She doesn't, you know, she, she didn't care about any of that. I don't need an iPad. And so I got her an iPad, hooked her up to Facebook. I don't want to do that. You know, Twitter and all this kind of stuff. And so um, uh, she uses social media for what it's supposed to be for, which is interacting <laughs> with people and finding out what people are doing. I use it to tell my wonderful thoughts, you know, and, and I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to learn to make time to, you know, to, to make it more interactive. It's just, it's a problem. And, uh, you know, some of us just are, we're challenged in that way. I think that's actually a great topic though, when we talk about with churches, um, Pastor Greg, because you have, I think you have 5,000 friends, you hit the, the cap on your Facebook account. So then you started the Facebook page, and I don't know how many thousands you have. You have thousands of Twitter followers, people who want to hear. I mean, honestly, what you're broadcasting, it's almost impossible to interact with everything. I even noticed that Ed Stetzer puts on his Twitter feed, I will not reply to everything. Um, what's the balance between that, do you guys think, when you've got a, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, someone who has 200 followers and you know them all and you've, you connect with them all, it's a social platform, but in some instances it is a broadcast platform. So how do you balance that? Well, I haven't got as many followers as Greg, but here's what I do. I have a little secret Twitter list, and I, it's not secret anymore. <laughs> uh, Am I on that people, list or you're not? You're on that list, Greg, yeah. Let, let um, me tell you why. Let, I'll interrupt you here. Let but at least you. I follow you. You don't even follow me. <laughs> I think I do. No, you don't, Greg. You don't. You better sort well, that out after the school. I will. I, I thought I did. I'll put I have one of those lists. You know the Twitter lists that yeah. hardly anyone uses? I use yeah. that, and I have a secret list. Um, and sometimes I've had to start again because it's got too big. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I've done it four times so far. Um, of the people I really want to follow, and so those mm -hmm. people, I will read mostly what uh, everything that they say. Not not everything, but mostly. And it's and and those are the people I tend to to respond to. That and people who at me. If someone actually ats you, then it's good to try and reply to some of them if you can. I know you can't necessarily get to all of them, but some of them. Good. Anybody else on that? Um, the reason you didn't see my Instagram probably is because uh, it was the middle of the night your time and it probably w went all the way through the feed L let's let's talk about this just so you know um, how can social media what are some practical ways uh, if I'm a pastor how can social media help me in my job as taking care of people and and pastoring the people what, what are some ways I know that's not on our you know, pre-discussed. We haven't hit a pre-discussed question yet, but it's been pretty good. But what, what, uh, how, how can social media help me as a pastor to do my job as a shepherd? I have an example. I've seen um, pastors use it to really get a pulse on some of the struggles that are happening within the congregation, and so yeah. they may toss out a question, 
and then when they can see where people really are hurting or what are some of the things that they're struggling with, this is both on the texting as well as with social media, they can actually use that to tailor their message series. Mm -hmm. So I have seen pastors do that where they've adjusted what they're planning to talk about to some extent based on where their congregation is. Maybe they need additional help with um, having a strong marriage. Maybe they're really struggling with managing their finances or if they've got a strong uh, families that they're uh, having a lot of kids in their congregation you know how can they be better parents how can they and so I have seen them kind of tailor things based on questions that they've asked people that they're following to kind of really get a pulse on what's happening in the congregation that's good we've used that uh, even recently with looking at what series we want to do we asked our people I think uh, what would you want to hear us talk about what, what do we need to say to you mm -hmm. and so that that's that's an example what else how else can we use it help us pastor our people. Well, you know, I know we don't like talking about people following us, but I mean, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And mm -hmm. I think modeling a, a lifestyle mm -hmm. a little bit on Twitter, I know it's, it's not going to be all the warts and all, but you know, a little bit of who you are comes across, I think, in your tweets, yeah. or it should do. If it doesn't, then you're not doing it properly. And if it does, then I think your people will feel they know you a bit more than they really do, uh, which is a double-edged sword. <laughs> but it's a good thing sometimes. And I have to say, you know, when uh, we first started becoming a part of the Seacoast family, one of the things that I absolutely loved and fell in love with was getting to know Pastor Greg through his feed um, and getting to know his grandkids and getting to know what he thought about his kids. And as a father, that endeared me to him way before I met him just because he was passionate enough and loved his family enough to talk about, talk about them in the public realm. And I think you're exactly right. Um, just in the fact that be human. Let people see that human side of you. Don't be robotic. Don't just have your things scheduled at all the maximum times, which I think there is a strategy to that, but be human. You know, show, show life. Show that you're out on the beach or that you're going for a hike in the mountains, and I don't think you have to <laughs> do the Justin Bieber and say I just threw up, but, you know, in some <laughs> regards, rein that in, you know, because I think people want to know that, you know, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning catching a flight going to Australia to speak to pastors or whatever the case may be. I think, there, I think that's a huge part of, because we, as a pastor, once you get past, I would imagine, um, 150 or 200 people, you really can't have that one-on-one -on -one connection where you're sitting down, having lunch, shaking hands with everyone. But social media allows you to have the ability to be their pastor in almost a real life sense and kind of show them this is what I'm doing today. <laughs> as much as you may think I'm playing golf all day long every day waiting for the next phone call to come to the hospital, I'm busy. I mean, here's some things I'm doing. Hmm. You know, I, uh, um, Rick Warren, uh, obviously the tragedy with his son um, taking his own life a few weeks ago. And if you follow Rick, you've watched Rick grieve publicly, yes. uh, which I think has been incredibly uh, helpful, probably to him, but more so to me uh, and to your average person to see how does this guy who, you know, you can't relate to because of the size and scope of what he does, how does, how does this guy walk through the tough stuff in life? And uh, I've really appreciated, you know, kind of watching that and seeing how, how, how he's done that. Well, what it does is it really. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, you go ahead, Don. Well, I was going to say it really humanizes the pastor, and it helps. It's inspirational for the rest of the congregation too, because oftentimes I think the congregation will put 
those that are in senior leadership on, up on a pedestal. And mm -hmm. so when it seems like they've got everything all together, it, it can be harder for those that are struggling. And so when they can see, oh, my pastor is struggling too, they can see that there's hope. They can go, you know what, I, if they're able to work through this, then I can work through this too. They're relying on God. I can rely on God too. Mm. Yeah. I, think, I, I think this whole thing with Rick Warren is a real important turning point for the church because let's face mm -hmm. it, in a way, he was the sort of the mega pastor of mega pastors in most people's minds. And if even he can have to face real life like this, then mm -hmm. this myth that Christians will be will be insulated from it is, is, is no longer there, is it? So I think for a few people that that kind of shook them a little bit. It's like, you know, the idea is if you're just mature enough of a Christian, a spiritual enough person, everything will be okay for you. Well, you know, that, those events showed it's not, but also showed that, as you say, you can cling on to Christ when there's nothing else to cling on to. I've found, too, that, um, I mean, not only do people get to know me, but I actually, on Facebook, I guess you told your secret list, Adrian, I'll tell my secret on Facebook. I friend almost everybody on Facebook, but I follow only really people that, that I know personally or that attend Freedom Church. And people use Facebook as a sort of modern-day confessional booth a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's sort of amazing how much stuff people will put on, whether it's passive-aggressive or kind of innuendo. <laughs> but I've, I've taken opportunity, especially when I do know the person, just to reach out to them and maybe message them, private message them, say, hey, I saw your post, I'm praying for you. And I, do, I end up doing quite a bit of, uh, I guess, counseling via the Facebook uh, uh, platform um, because of just how vulnerable they are. People that, when I see them at church, wouldn't even speak to me. They would just kind of be frightened. But the the uh, kind of the introverts feel like this license on Facebook to just really put some stuff out there. So it's it's kind of a a, a reverse, I guess, of what we've been talking about. Yep. We, uh, I'm sorry, we go ahead, use, Pastor Greg. We use uh, Twitter uh, sometimes. Well, just about every weekend, at least one of our pastors will do a hashtag search for Seacoast. And you know, if there's somebody new in the church, you know, they say, "Hey, I'm going to Seacoast today," and Da, 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 da. We'll usually, you know, uh, reply and say, "Hey, we hope your experience is great. How can we help you?" And also, uh, if we see somebody had a bad experience in some way, uh, we try to we try to get on that too, and uh, as quickly as we can, and say, "Hey, how how can we, you know, how can we help you with that?" and and just talk it through. So, I think, uh, well, I, I, I think that another thing that pastors could do uh, with social media is to continue to cast the vision that they have for their church. So it's an ongoing thing where they're, they're continuing to verbalize what they're, what they're passionate about, what they want the, their church to be active in doing, and just casting the vision on a daily basis, weekly basis, um, because your pulpit time is so um, or restricted, you don't have time to continue to talk about what we as a church are planning on doing, what we as a church are doing next. So social media gives you an awesome opportunity to continue to cast the vision of the followers that you have there in your congregation about, hey, this is where we are, and this is where we want to go. Okay. Hey, let's talk about strategy. Um, should a church have a corporate strategy uh, for social media, you know, really defined? Uh, and if so, kind of what, what should that be? Uh, or is it just a conglomeration of its leaderships, you know, individual blogs or, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it happens to be? What's the place of corporate strategy? Uh, anybody? Don, Don, maybe that's some stuff that you guys are involved in. 
I've seen it work both ways, uh, quite honestly. I, I, I think that if you're going to have a, an intentional strategy, that's good, where you're actually thinking through, uh, kind of like if you're blogging, where you have uh, an editorial calendar, mm -hmm. if some sort of framework and some structure is a good idea. But sometimes when people think corporate strategy, they think uh, sterile, you know, or um, very uh, saran wrapped or homogenized. And so keeping that human nature to it is, is important. And so I, I have also seen churches that it's just been a conglomerate of all of the pastors are contributing in one form or fashion and so you know there's pros and cons to both of them it's really about how are we going to be organized so that we can be consistent with our messaging um, while still maintaining a, a personality and a, a humanness kind of like what Adrian was saying it's a conversation it's a social strategy not just a broadcast I personally think that if you don't have established goals for why you are using social media as a church, then it's certainly all right to just kind of come about it from a um, an, an unfocused approach. You know, the pastor's on the the, the discipleship pastor, um, whomever, and your your messages are getting out, but without any um, let's say strategy or planning behind it. I, I think that's fine. But if you do have um, goals and objectives associated with it then I think you're best served to come up, come up with a plan. Uh, so I would assume, I've never been a pastor, but I would assume that as a pastor, you know, when you're writing uh, and coming up with your message, that you want people to walk away with something. Uh, there is a reason that you're delivering this particular message. You want people to retain something. I think you should approach, uh, as a church, your social media communications and all of your communications uh, from that standpoint as well uh, and that might mean that you take your message and you're making it available in video you're making it available as a uh, micro blog you're making it available as a blog post podcast so uh, you're allowing that message to go even further I don't think there is a reason why um, a church wouldn't want to plan and leverage all of their tools other than they just don't have the capacity to do it. We'll talk about capacity a minute. You know, um, so Seacoast Church has recently engaged uh, Justin to help us with some of this. Um, we're, we're probably the vast exception. Most churches... Uh, may not have a place on staff um, and you know you can talk about well should you and you know how important is that but there are a lot of churches frankly that don't have the resources to engage a social media specialist or do they that maybe that's a question mm -hmm. how, how does uh, a smaller church or a church that's strapped on resources uh, how how could they because Chris you're talking about planning and you know, maybe being savvy a little bit about some of the, the uh, platforms. How could a smaller church, um, how could they engage in, in social media? Anybody well, want to help, help me with that? Yeah, I think that um, there's some degree of having to rely upon God in that aspect because if, if you don't have the capacity, if you don't have the staff, if you don't have uh, someone who has the interest or savviness um, to to learn or to produce any content, then you kind of have to 
hope that the Lord opens a door or brings someone from the congregation um, forward. And then part of that person's personal ministry can become helping to amplify what the church is doing. That can be a way that people serve. And as a guy, there are very few places in the church that um, I feel like I can comfortably serve, particularly uh, as an introvert. You know, I don't want to be on the greet staff. Um, I don't want to be necessarily um, working with the kids. I love kids. I have kids, but I need a break from kids. Um, so, and I don't want to. I don't want to be uh, directing traffic in the parking lot because, for me personally, I don't really feel connected to the broader to the broader mission. And I know it serves a purpose, but I don't have that connection. However, if I could apply my skills um, as a volunteer with the church, that would be a great way for me to serve. So I think smaller churches could try and uh, find volunteers um, to take on some of that responsibility for five or ten hours a week or uh, for someone to handle Twitter or someone to handle the Facebook page. And, it, yeah. and the church can be about equipping them to do that. Hey, Chris, Chris, that's, Chris so that's good for large churches too. Uh, because there are so many people that, I mean, everybody's on Facebook and, and uh, a lot of people have those skills. Don, you were going to say something about that. I was going to say, I, I totally agree with Chris. It really comes down to churches redefining what serving looks like. And, and so many of them that we work with struggle with this just because they've never thought of it in that way. They desperately need volunteers. They know that serving is one of the quickest ways to achieving spiritual growth. People grow when they serve. That's just how it works. But they tend to think that serving means handing out bulletins or you know taking care of the kids in the children's ministry instead mm -hmm. of opening it up to managing their social channels just because they're mm -hmm. afraid. It's like, oh, what's going to happen if we allow a volunteer to manage that? It's like, well, it is possible. You know, it's really how do we pour into those volunteers, let them know where the fence line is of what supports our vision and what does not support our vision, mm -hmm. and then build into that relationship. It's funny. We all allow children to manage our, I mean, uh, volunteers to manage our children, but we're afraid <laughs> to let them manage our social space because they might say something or do something. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And I found, too, um, I just would every now and then drop things like, hey, I tweeted this the other day or... You may have seen on Facebook, as soon as I started doing that in the sermon, immediately I would get follows after church. And so our, our kind of our techno class <laughs> rose up, and I saw who, who are the people who are on Twitter. Right. They were following right. me. They're adding me. And there's, you know, a dozen to, to 20 people who I know are, are really engaged. And, uh, you know, one of them in particular just kind of keeps a lot of things going for us. So if you, if you mention it as a, as a pastor, you know, if you just kind of just throw it out there, you'll kind of find who those people are in your church just based on the fact that they will hear that language that no one else heard. It's kind of a secret code word that you throw in there every now and then that they hear. And I think it's one of those things, too, where with all ministries that we have in our churches, sometimes we just do a poor job of asking for help um, in that there are people out there wanting to help, and we never ask them. And so we're frustrated as a church because there are no volunteers but yet they're waiting for the invitation to be a part of it. So I think sometimes it's as, in some regards, it's as simple as saying, hey, we have some needs. Would you be interested? And then, you know, going through your qualification process, just like it would be if you were going to put them in with your children and qualify them to make sure that you have people that you want being part of your voice or broadcasting your brand to the world. 
You know, I, I always think of it after the fact, but this, this weekend uh, we had an ocean baptism. We, we have a baptism once, once a month, and in the summertime we do them in the ocean, and they're a huge event. And um, I'm sitting here thinking we should have had Instagram teams out there doing the 15-second thing and the pictures, hashtagging, you know, Seacoast Baptism, and then spread the word through Twitter uh, yeah. And Facebook, where that you could you, you could have you wouldn't have to hire anybody. You just have a bunch of volunteers doing yeah. Instagram uh, and hashtagging it, so everybody else can see it. There that's that's that sounds like a great idea, Greg. But I, I think the other thing that you mentioned is spreading the word through Twitter or whatever your tool you're going to use. And I think that is something that we 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 can all help each other with actually because mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be geographical for that you know I know for me for example more than half of my readers live in the US mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. I bet a whole bunch of them have never heard of any of your churches so you know when this is done I shall put a little link at the bottom of my my post or my social media say hey you go and follow these guys and who knows I mean I've heard of people who end up going to church that way sure, uh, because they read something and they go oh there's a church that maybe a little bit like this guy I like reading so I think sort of that hooking up with someone from another church who's maybe got a bigger following than you, um, they're all going to be bombarding you now, Greg, but, you know, um, to actually well, <laughs> something gonna, or... First thing I'm going to do is start following you. I thought I was. <laughs> and, uh, That's okay. Maybe it's just you at me, and, and so I see yeah. it, but I'm, I'm going to start. I've got the list, too, and my problem with my list on Twitter is I have so many of them, and they keep growing. You know, you yeah. you got you to gotta keep doing... Uh, well, I just wipe the slate clean every now and then, Greg. Um, really? every, year, every year or two. I don't delete them. I still follow oh. the same people, but right. I just start a new list of the people that are the ones I check out first. So when I go on a Twitter, I go straight onto this first list, and I, 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 it's a hidden list so people don't know who's on it. It starts with a number, so it's at the top of my list, and I click on that, and I read that. If I've got time to read other stuff, I do, but if I haven't, that's all that's I read. Great idea. Great idea. Well, it's Don, not actually true that no one knows because the NSA knows everything. So. NSA <laughs> yes. knows. And the CQH, C, uh, CQHQ as well. The we government. tell you, I think. I think we're better at it than you are, you know? The government is watching right now this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Don, uh, let me ask you a question specifically. You work with a lot of churches. You've seen everything. Don't name names unless you really want to. That'd make it juicy. But what are some of the worst practices that you've seen in social media? you have any? Oh, man, well, I wouldn't say I've seen everything, but I, I have seen quite a few things that uh, cause me to shudder and curl up in a ball underneath my desk and just rock quietly <laughs> and hope for the best. But uh, what, what happens frequently is the whole build it and they will come mentality. There's a lot of folks, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but there's a lot of folks that believe that they need the tools because everybody else has tools. And so let's jump on without really thinking about what's the purpose of it, who it is that we're trying to reach, and not just what are we wanting to say, but what are we wanting them to do. And so they just start building tools, you know, and so and then they abandon them. So then they look like these empty lots of, <laughs> of real estate that nobody is populating. And so mm -hmm. people will go to, this, to Facebook or they'll reply to something on Twitter and they'll ask a question. Um, one church in particular, someone was asking what time were the services if they were different because it was for the holiday. Nobody responded. They responded, the same person asked again the next day, still no response. Three mm -hmm. days later, still no response. And so I, I actually I showed it to 
senior leadership, I'm like, are you guys aware that this is probably a new person who is desperately wanting to come to yeah. your church and you're making it very difficult for them? They're like, oh, wow, we don't ever go there. I'm like, well, clearly, <laughs> nobody yeah. ever goes there. Everybody but, else is. <laughs> everybody Surprise. else. You know, so it's kind of like the Ferris Bueller, you know, Bueller, Bueller, where they're just kept saying the same thing. And then eventually they're like, well, I guess nobody monitors this. And I'm like, you probably lost that person and they probably moved on to the next one. Uh, another quick thing is if they do have multiple channels, like a lot of times student ministries will have their own Facebook page and then there's the church Facebook page and maybe there's a missions Facebook page, which isn't, which isn't in my perspective, necessarily a bad thing but they don't link them. They don't like the other pages. So from the church's page, you may never be aware that there's a student one or that there's a missions one or that there's any others that you know can see a, a bigger picture of what's happening at the church. So those are probably two of the more common things that I, I see that happen frequently. All right, give us a good one. Do you have a good one? A good one, like the worst thing that's ever happened? No, kind no, of no, no. Okay. <laughs> it's like, wow, man, you guys are pushing hard. Oh, no, good things. Um, no, you know, no. What's, what's, what's a best practice? Best Let's practice, uh, well, man managing your channels, um, kind of tagging a little bit onto what Chris said with not just thinking about what you want them to say, but what is it that you want them to do? Oftentimes, we just want to tell them things without it giving them a next step. So maybe if we're broadcasting that there is a message happening or there is, where do we want them to go? What do we want them to do? Do we want them to show up at the service? Do we want them to click on a video? Do we want them to register for something? So thinking about what it is that we want them to do. Another thing that's been kind of new, um, not new for us, but new in the ministry space, is to see how organizations, specifically churches, are using Pinterest. And uh, we usually think of Pinterest as kind of an online tool for, you know, stay-at-home moms or people who love food or, or whatever. But I have seen a lot of churches use that as a way to connect with their audience, where treating it more as an online bulletin board. So the, those videos you were talking about or those Instagram shots of your baptism, mm -hmm. that would be on a board or your links to your messages would be on a board or resources to your messages like if you have study guides or if you have messages or I mean uh, like other messages that would help support it or books or resources or scripture verses would be on another board and so people can follow specific boards you know within your uh, within your Pinterest account and so that's been real creative. Uh, they've also had little quick sna snapshots of people's testimonies, you know, on another board. And so that's been really creative and a fun way for people to share it because it's so easy to share stuff on Pinterest versus some of the other channels that are out there. It's growing like crazy, and it could be a great way for churches to take advantage of that. What a great yeah. idea. Fantastic. Is there a church, Dawn, that you've seen that's, that's doing Pinterest well that others could go to and just kind of see what they're doing? Is there one that comes to mind? You know, there's several of them. What I would do is literally if you just go to Pinterest and search church, that's where you're going to get the quickest um, overview of, of churches that are doing stuff. And so um, off the top of my head, I'm, it's escaping me the, the church's name that I'm thinking of in particular. But so if you go to church, you'll find several of them that are doing a decent job. Great. Hey, Adrian, let's jump real quick um, to blogging because... You are a pro prolific blogger. I have read your blogs. They are very, very good, um, and you have quite a following. Um, so is blogging, is blogging dead? Is it alive? Should churches blog? Should senior leaders blog? How often should you blog? What do you think about when you blog? Talk to us about blogging. Okay, well, that's a big question. I could talk on that for a long time. But I think blogging is changing, and it always has been changing. I mean, in the early days, 
it was all about you know the guy in his pajamas taking on the world and you know maybe doing a better job than mainstream media you know these days i think blogging's gone mainstream uh some people are, are saying it's 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 uh it's disappearing, but I don't think it is because I think all that's happening is that the way people access blogging material uh, changes. You know, maybe 50% of tweets will have a link on it, and most of the time those links will be to someone's blog post. Uh, so I think how you find the blog is different. I, I don't think many people will necessarily go and visit a blog site to see what's new. Uh, they'll go and look on a different channel uh, and follow a link in if, if there's something that looks interesting. Uh, so you're looking for, a, you know, an eye-catching heading that will then draw someone in to want to read more. Um, and uh, that's a really cool thing. But I think, I think also, you know, it's not for everyone to blog. Not everyone is, you know, really gifted or unable to do that. I think sometimes pastors will struggle with that. One tip that I've given to some pastors before is to think about getting some of their sermons transcribed and then maybe um, breaking those down into blog posts if the material looks like it's going to be helpful and useful. Not everyone's sermons will, will, will lend themselves to that as well. Um, yeah, I've preached but, a few of those. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, there, maybe there's one paragraph in the whole sermon that's any good, you know, and you could you turn that into a blog post. You know? <laughs> but I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's really about, you know, what's going to serve and what's going to help and what's going to mm. not take away. The real danger, I think, for a pastor is that they get excited about social media and it takes them away from what they're doing on the ground. Mm. Now, if it, if it serves what you're doing on the ground, great. But if it takes you away... You know, not everyone is called to be a John Piper or a Greg Surratt or a Rick Warren, you know. We're, we're called to be rooted and grounded locally first. And, and then any influence that we have outside of that, uh, for most of us, will be quite small. Um, and for all of us, who a lot of people look at and think, oh, you've got a big following. There's always a bigger fish, unless your name's Rick Warren. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's always someone who's got a higher following than you anyway. Um, and, and we just all have to be faithful with what God has called us to do, knowing what we're meant to do. I mean, yeah, influence is great. Broad influence is great if that's what God has called you to do. But what's much more important is deep influence in the lives of the people that God has put you in charge of. So don't let blogging take away from that for sure. Good. Let me, um, let me just, before we close, I would love to go on and on with this. I've got so many questions. Facebook just, Irritates me to no end. I just have to be honest with you. I hate and, it. Um, I hate. Yeah, I just, I, you know, you, you would think that if somebody likes your page, that they would get your posts, but no, they don't. They get whatever Facebook thinks that you yeah. should have. That's just my take on the deal. And then we've got all kind of fake, fake pastors. Fake Greg if Facebook Surratt's. goes the way of my MySpace, I'll be a happy man, you know. MySpace was the big thing one day, and then it tanked and died. Yeah, the problem is everybody's on Facebook, so we gotta we gotta live with it. All right, so uh, I shouldn't have said that. That's very negative. God, I was gonna say God loves Facebook, but he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. I, I think he loves Zuckerberg, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Facebook. Okay. All right, so so here's what I want to do, real quick. This is self-promotion time, uh, blatant self-promotion. What do you have? What, what have you written? What have you done? How do we get a hold of your business? Wh whatever it is, uh, um, or, or if there's something you've read recently uh, that um, just keeps you up, uh, you know, and, and you go, I wish everybody would see this. So uh, real quick, uh, Adrian, we'll start with you. Is there anything that you want to tell us about that you're doing or that you've seen? Sure. 
Well, the day that I heard about Rick Warren's son's death, uh, my kids started asking me questions about it, kinds of things like, well, Dad, can a Christian get depressed, you know? So mm -hmm. I started writing about that, and I've been writing a pretty long blog series about that. So that would be the thing I would, I would love people to have a look at. And, and my blog, you can just find by I'm Googling my name or writing adrianwarnock.com. Okay. Chris, anything you want to tell us about you or compassion or anything that you're excited about? Well, I'll take the opportunity to ask everyone to sponsor a child at Compassion. Just go to Compassion.com and sponsor a child. Uh, but also, if that's not um, something someone is actually interested in doing at this time, I would recommend a book uh, by Michael Hyatt, Platform. Uh, that's a very quick read, uh, lots of insight. Um, it speaks to people who are just trying to start investigating social media as well as seasoned professionals so there's a lot to be learned there so um, my ask is sponsored child and my gift is uh, the knowledge and recommendation of Michael Hyatt's book platform. excellent Michael is one of the best around yep. Don what about you well I wish I could say that I kept up on my blog and you guys could go there but it's it's an existence but sorely <laughs> lacking it content on a frequent basis and so uh, find me would be aspire1.com is probably the best way to go or you can google Don Nicole Baldwin um, books that I would recommend this one's not brand brand new but I think that given the conversations that we're having it's a great one for pastors to read even though it's a book designed for the marketplace it's called the thank you economy by Gary Vaynerchuk and so it's fantastic really talking about how the shift of social media has impacted organizations and so I think that there's a lot that ministry leaders can learn from reading through that and I did remember the two names of the churches that I was thinking of um, if you wanted to check out examples of churches using Pinterest well Flatirons Community Church and uh, Hope Community Church I learned if you just type church now there's a bazillion more that are there and many of them are still kind of trying to figure out what they're posting and why and so if you search for Flatirons or Hope Community Church there's uh, some really good examples of, of how you can use that that might spark some ideas. Excellent. Justin, what about you? Honestly, keep an eye on Seacoast, um, all the things that we're doing and getting everything moving in that direction and super excited about just what we have coming in the future. A lot of really cool stuff. But if you're looking for um, a book to write, or I'm sorry, if you're looking to write a book, if you're looking to read a book just about better storytelling, Storyline is just a fantastic way to get the process going. Um, and so check out Storyline. It's just really good helping people understand how to tell a better story and how to even tell your own story. Excellent. Sean, you want to promote anything and tell us about what's, what's up next? Absolutely. What I'd like to promote is our next ministry hangout, um, July the 10th. Uh, we are going to have Larry Osborne and uh, Chris Hodges on to discuss strategy. Um, if you are familiar with either of these two guys, um, just major leaders in the church space, but also uh, strategy runs in their blood. So excited about that. July 10th, make sure and uh, tune in with us. Uh, we'll be uh, here at the same place. We'll let you know. Go ahead and register at ministryhangouts.com if you have not yet. Um, that'll keep you up to date, puts you on our mail list so we can keep you up to date with what's going on. Uh, so that's what's, what's coming up. Great. Excellent. Well, uh, this was a great hour. I, I loved it. Uh, one of my favorites ever. And uh, so if you liked it, uh, Twitter it. 
uh, Twitter a link to uh, where, where you're at right now. And in just a few minutes, this will be up uh, live as, a, uh, as an archived program. Thanks, everybody, uh, for coming. Uh, Adrian, Chris, Don, uh, Justin, Sean, always good to be with you. And uh, we'll see you all next time.